Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on the Super Bowl 57 football game. If you can believe it, Victor, it's Super Bowl time this Sunday. Boy, you know, we're fast approaching the very, very last football game, Mark, of the 2022-23 season. The uh, As we talked about in the last couple of podcasts, the letdown is already setting in, of course, after Sunday. The pigskin will be hibernating for, what, six, six and a half months as far as the NFL and college football are concerned. Uh, For us, Mark, though, that means buckle up for baskets. And taking center stage for the next at least few months will be basketball, the college variety, the NBA variety. And uh, here at Playbook, uh, we're kind of heating up at the right time here. And uh, let me recap, if I can... After a little bit of a rough start, Mark is in a really nice groove as of late. I'm showing Mark's basketball service now. 10-4 and four ATS, last 14 basketball plays. Uh, that included a really nice 2-0 and sweep last night on Tuesday night. Uh, college basketball three-star outright winner on the Dayton Flyers over VCU. Nice call on that one. That was a three-star play from Mark's service as was his play on a favorite. And, you know, when Mark lays points in the NBA, particularly a lot of points, Mark, I always sit up, I take note, and Mark almost laid double digits last night in the NBA on the Denver Nuggets over the Minnesota Timberwolves. You saw the outcome of that game. Denver blasted Minnesota as a nine to nine and a half point favorite. They won by 34 points. I'm sure that your revenge angle had a lot to do with it because these two teams just played each other three nights ago in Minnesota, and Minnesota won that game over Denver by 30 points. So a really, really nice turnaround revenge call on the Nuggets last night. Thank you, Victor. It was was a right-back revenge rematch, which set the table for the game. And it's sort of strange you mentioned that because uh, on one radio show that I do down here in South Florida, I've been doing it for probably 20 years, and I've made it a point to use nothing but underdogs all during the football season. You know my love for underdogs. Uh, well, the host of the show asked me one day, he says, let me ask you this question, Mark Lawrence. He says, what would you do if you ever bet a favorite in a college football game? And my answer to him was, I said, <laughs> I would probably be the lead speaker at a Gamblers Anonymous meeting. <laughs> Definitely. But the really, really nice call there on Denver we're starting to heat up. Mark's gone nine and three now in his last 12 NBA plays as well. And uh, for our service, we're having a good season. We're around 65% with our totals. And we even stepped out of our comfort zone a little bit last night as well. I stayed away from the over-unders, but I grabbed the points with an underdog in the NBA. And if you're going to do it, you may as well do it on the most profitable team in pro basketball. And that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. We grabbed the six and a half last night in that game in L.A. against the Lakers, figuring there'd be a lot of hoopla in regards to LeBron, who we do congratulate now being the scoring leader all time. Uh, But as a team, Lakers, not very good. Oklahoma State, uh, they came away with the outright dog winner. The Thunder did uh, believe they beat the Lakers by three points. So, again, we stepped away from our comfort zone and brought home a nice underdog winner on the Oak City Thunder. Congratulations. Nice call. Ride those dogs when they're hot, Victor. You know that's the key to success, sustaining success at least, when it comes to betting football or basketball Mm -hmm. games. And this little sidebar note, I have to say this. LeBron James is from our neck of the woods, Victor, Akron, Ohio. And we were thrilled in Cleveland when we drafted him, and he's had a stellar career. There's no question about that. But what I admire most about him was his comment that he made after breaking the record last night. And, uh, you know, they asked him, uh, does, it, does, does he compare himself more to Magic Johnson or to Michael Jordan? He says he doesn't know. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. 
All that matters to him is getting the basketball into the hands of the right man and playing the game the way the game should be played. And that's exactly what he's all about. Totally unselfish. He would he would pass up a wide open shot for and pass the ball to somebody that has a better percentage shot than he has at that particular time. And that's why he is where he is. And I tip my hat to him. He's had a stellar basketball career. And also, Victor, no off the court garbage or nonsense or anything with LeBron James at all ever in his career, which uh, I think is really admirable as well. So that's my King James uh, tribute or salute, if you will. But uh, let's move on to this Super Bowl. We've got a game this weekend, Victor, a Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, let's sort of set the table, if we will, for the Super Bowl game coming up here. Uh, Before I hand it over to you, I'm going to share a couple of uh, what I think are unique situations about the game themselves. Uh, One is uh, how dead even this game really, truly, actually is. And if you compare these numbers, I mean, this is mind-boggling. The, Can- or the Kansas City Chiefs this year were 16-3. and three. They scored 546 points. They have six all-pro players on their football roster, and they have a Kelsey, and there's another Kelsey on the other team. They're the number one seed of the AFC, and their quarterback is their most valuable player. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles, 16-3 and three overall. They, too, have scored 546 points exact this year. They have six all-pro bowl players as well. They have another Kelsey on the team, and their quarterback is their MVP. They're the number one seed of the NFC. I don't know if it gets any closer or any tighter than it does the way this matchup occurred, and I think it's the National Football League is absolutely thrilled to death about what it is that they have. Now, you look at these two teams and you break them down from a common opponent standpoint. Look at Philadelphia. Uh, they played six common opponents. And uh, uh, one, one team has played seventh, but I counted the six and six because I counted them in equal sites. One of these uh, common opponents, uh, one of the two teams played twice because of a division game. But So if you take a look at the six common opponents that they each played, uh, breaking them down that way, Philadelphia went six and all, oh, won all six of those games, three and three of the spread, and they won the yards five of the six times by an average of 119 yards a game. Kansas City wins five of those six common opponent games. They win the money in those games four times, but they won the stats in every game by 152 yards per game. So it goes a little bit to what I was just speaking about, how even these football teams are, Victor, coming into this contest here. And, you know, we could talk till the cows come home about separating uh, how close these two football teams are. We're going to probably do a little bit more to the prop side of that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reveal some nice stats as we move along here. But that's my initial take, Victor. What's yours on this matchup that we're going to see this weekend? You know, you, you talked about how even this uh, Super Bowl really is. Uh, it's been the same way in the playoffs uh, thus far. Underdogs have gone a exact middle of the road, 6-6 six and six ATS so far in these 2023 playoffs. They're still, though, on a nice 40-29-1 ATS run in the last six years in all playoff games. Uh, on the over-under side, it's been a weird but streaky run as well. It's almost been a case of two different seasons combined in one. If you remember, in the wild card round, Mark, the first five games ended up all going over the total and with a very high average of 57.2 yeah. points per game. But since then... The last seven playoff games have all gone under the total. That would be the last wild card game, the one that was played on Monday night. All four games in the division round, both games in the championship round, and those games averaged only 40.8 combined points per game. So it's been weird. It's been streaky. It's almost like two seasons worth of data in just one year. But that's where we are in regards to the uh, playoffs, The dogs, the favorites, the overs, the unders. Uh, Obviously, uh, we both have an agenda in regards to the uh, side and the totals play. And our selections are already up at the playbooksports.com website. You can uh, check in there anytime to get those selections. But in the meantime, you just touched on it, Mark. And we've easily got, uh, I mean, I I myself will have... uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 different prop plays that I'll be having action in uh, on this Sunday's game. So I think it might be a fun idea to play a little bit of Super Bowl prop ping pong, if you will, where we kind of go back and forth. 
with a couple of props that we like in the game. And I'm going to start with this one if I can before I serve it your way, Mark. But there's a prop here that basically everybody should be playing, and that is will the team to score last win the game in the Super Bowl? This is almost a no-brainer. Uh, in fact, it's a pretty big favorite price if you do decide to play this. It's somewhere around $1.55 to $1.60 that you will be laying on this particular prop. But you want to play it. The team to score last has won the Super Bowl not just in the last three, not just in the last five, not just in the last ten, but in the last 13 Super Bowls, the team to score last has won the game. It's a no-brainer. It's what every sharp better should be playing this particular week. That's going to be my very first prop, Mark. And again, it is the team to score last will win the Super Bowl. Well, that's a great prop, Victor. Uh, in fact, you can stretch that just a little bit. You can make it 15 out of the last 16 years that that's happened. So it has, it's not just a, a fluke circumstance. It's been happening a lot. And the price has grown on it, obviously. Uh, it, uh, In fact, I laid some ridiculous price on it because I wanted to get in on it early because I know it's going to do nothing but go up. But uh, it, it's a little bit testy, if you will, to, uh, to lay that. But you certainly don't want to bet against a prop like that. Uh, another prop that I'm going to share with you, and uh, a lot of what we're going to, I'm going to share with you guys here, comes from the Playbook Win Report, W-I-N, What's Important Now Report. It's a new feature on the PlaybookSports.com website. Just log on, click on the Win Report, and everything I'm sharing with you is laid out in this Win Report. This and a lot of other earlier posts that we've made on the Win Report, but it's really must-read material. Uh, so our props from the Win Report, uh, I'm going to go right to the very top, okay, of what you'll see when you go there. And there's a lot of yes and a lot of no props. Uh, will it happen, won't it happen? And if you have, you want to play a prop where the game is going to be be decided by 10 points, exactly 10 points, roll the dice and, you know, bring home some money, don't do it. 25 years in a row, it's happened, no. Haven't been a game decided by 10 points, you got to go back 26 years to find the last time that it's happened here. So uh, for that, I would say save your money. And in the same regard, a kiss and cousin, if you will, a game decided by exactly seven points, save your money again. 22 times in a row, it's been no. So you don't want to get caught up in that. Uh, you know, they're out there for a reason. They look very, very attractive, some very nice prices, but don't get sucked into games falling on seven or ten. And even three, you'll be surprised at how few games fall three. We've had one here in the last few years or so, but they don't happen all that often. So that's my first two takes. And what I have here, Victor, I'm going to throw it back to you. Okay, and Mark, i got to warn you here, I'm a good ping-pong player I'm the champion of the King family. I've been playing since I was six years old, and I'll take you on any time in ping pong. And since you're serving it back to me, I do believe that we're going to play this prop, which is will there be a score in the first six minutes of the game? And we're going to bet no on that one. After all, this has hit in each of the last six Super Bowls. There has not been a point scored in the first six minutes of the game in each of the last six Super Bowls, in seven out of the last eight, in 10 out of the last 13. I know there's some risk here because we have a potentially a team that can score on one play in the Kansas City Chiefs. We're kind of hoping that Philadelphia gets the ball to start things off because uh, we can easily see them you know, taking that first six, seven minutes and establishing themselves on the ground in this particular game. But, Mark, that's going to be my next prop. I am going to be playing no at decent underdog money, I might add, for a score in the first six minutes of the game. That's my second prop, Mark. I'm serving it back to you for your next one. Well, I'm going to backhand a serve back at you, Victor. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to stay with the no's again here, okay, for a little while anyway. But... There's oftentimes people think that uh, with the popularity of uh, two-point scoring happening in the National Football League these days, either out of necessity or the new analytical coaches that like to go up eight to nothing in a football game to start the game and things like that. So you ask yourself, will there be any player that will score eight points on the same drive, meaning he's rushed or he caught 
the touchdown pass, and the two-point conversion becomes his as well. Well, for instance, Travis Kel or Kelsey, will he catch a touchdown pass, and then maybe perhaps they'll go for two, and he gets the two-point uh, reception? No again. Okay, 21 times in a row, Super Bowls, that has never been a player that has scored eight points on the same drive. So that's my return volley to you, Victor. You're up next. Uh, one thing about playing no's and unders, that's going to basically turn you a profit. If you play more no's and you play more unders in the Super Bowl and you play a lot of props, there's a pretty good chance that you are indeed going to turn a profit. So I'm with you on that no. But an over that we are going to be playing, Mark, is the combined quarterback sacks in the game. Uh, the line is anywhere from three and a half to four sacks combined for both teams. And guess what? Here's one we are definitely playing the over. In each of the last four Super Bowls, there's been more than three and a half sacks. It's gone seven and one in the last eight Super Bowls. It's gone 10 and uh, two in the last 12 Super Bowls. In the last four years, average sacks 5.8 combined in the Super Bowl. In the last eight years, 6.2 combined sacks in the Super Bowl. Not only that, Mark, Philadelphia and Kansas City's defense were ranked number one and number two this season in team sacks. Philadelphia, 4.1 sacks per game on defense. Kansas City, 3.3. The league average, only 2.5. Here's an over that's got some uh, meat on the bone, Mark. Over three and a half quarterback sacks combined in the game. I'm serving it back to you. I like that stat, Victor. In fact, uh, if you didn't hit on it, I was going to embellish on that as well. Uh, not only did Philadelphia, like you mentioned, lead the league in sacks with 70, Kansas City second with 55. And the reason I'm calling that out is look at that disparity. 70 sacks for Philadelphia, the number two team, 55. That's how ferocious Philadelphia defense can be, okay? Uh, so keep that in mind, and I'm all with Victor on that over on the sack total in this particular football game. I'm going to reverse my train of thought here, and I'm going to go to a yes proposition here for the for the moment here. And the question now with the prop being, will the shortest touchdown be three or fewer yards in the game? The answer is yes. The answer is yes because it's happened 20 of the last 21 years that the shortest touchdown in the game has been three or fewer yards. In fact, the last two years have been one yard exactly. But anyway, shortest touchdown, three or less yards. Yes, 20 of the last 21 times. Back to you, Victor. Now, Mark, on that prop, is that a slight favorite under three? Because I know the traditional number is one and a half yards for shortest touchdown. So do I got to lay a little bit extra if I play under three yards? There will be three yards extra and juice on that. Yes, there will be. Yes. Okay, very good. Uh, Mark, I don't play very many kicker props, but uh, since you're throwing it back to me, this is a kicker prop that kind of ties into each team's uh, uh, propensity for going for it on fourth down. And it's basically pick a money right now, and the prop is which team will have the longest completed field goal, the longest made field goal. I'm currently showing Kansas City, minus 115, Philadelphia, minus 105. It's basically a pick em. And in this particular case, we are going to play Kansas City for the longest made field goal. That's our guy, Harrison Butker of the Chiefs, taking on Jake Elliott of Philadelphia. Let's remember, uh, Philadelphia only, Jake Elliott only had, what, 23 field goal attempts all season long. That's less than one and a half attempts per game. And do you know why? Because Philadelphia is notorious for going for it on fourth down, particularly when they're in the other team's territory just outside of the red zone. They get down there inside the 45-yard line, the 40, the 35-yard line. They are going to go for it rather than going for the field goal. This is the Philly special. I got the numbers here in front of me, Mark. Uh, fourth down conversion attempts this year in the NFL. Number one was the Cleveland Browns, 42 attempts this year. Number two, Arizona Cardinals at 41. Coming in at number four, 32 uh, attempts this year, fourth down attempts, Philadelphia. 
That was the fourth highest in the NFL this season. They had 32 fourth down attempts this year. For comparison purposes, Mark, uh, third last in the league was the Kansas City Chiefs. They went for it on fourth down only 12 times this season. So you can see where we're going in this particular game. Not only does Philadelphia go for it a lot on fourth down, but they convert at 69% as well. That's easily number one in the NFL. So for that reason, putting everything together, Mark, we're going to play on Kansas City to have the longest completed field goal in the Super Bowl and I'm throwing it back to you. I like that train of thought, Victor, following it from concept to finish. It's a real, real good train of thought. You mentioned about uh, Philadelphia going for it on fourth down, the fourth most times in the league. It's simply a case, Victor, of the new young analytical coach going up against the old school guy, Andy Reid, in this case. And it being Philadelphia, the new young analytical coach, you see all these teams, uh, the, I would say a, a good portion of those top 10 of teams that – Fit your qualifier were probably analytically coached by their head coaches. I'm going to get, I know Cleveland was for sure. Uh, Stefanski's the same way. So good point. I like how it started and I like how it finished. Here comes my next one, Victor. And this one might surprise some people here. And you ask yourself in the first quarter, will there be a lead change in the game? And everybody figures, yeah, there'll be a lead change in that first quarter. Somebody will score, somebody will counter, vice versa like that. No is the answer. 19 of the last 21 years, there has not been a lead change in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. So remember that. Don't get trapped into figuring that it's only going to be natural. One team scores, the other counters. They don't happen. 20, 19 out of 21 times. That's my next prop. And one more time, Victor, I'm going to throw it back to you. Mark, I got one, maybe two props left. And like you mentioned, the bulk of our individual player props are going to be unders. For instance, I'm going to be playing Patrick Mahomes under his passing yardage. I'm going to be playing Jalen Hurts under his passing yardage. Uh, in fact, in terms of the Philadelphia Eagles, the only player in which I am going to be betting over the total is an unsung hero, an under-the-radar running back, and we're talking about Kenneth Gainwell of the Philadelphia Eagles, the TCU product. His rushing yard uh, over underline is 19 and a half. Uh, in some cases, it's crept up to 20, even 20 and a half. Don't worry about it. We're playing Kenneth Gainwell to go over the total of 19 and a half to 20 rushing yards. You know, people kind of don't realize this, but Miles Sanders is uh, who people consider to be the number one running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you look at his year-to-date stats, he certainly is. But in the last month of play, he's been usurped by Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell has outrushed Miles Sanders in the two playoff games, in the final game of the season against the New York Giants. Uh, here, here are the numbers for you. Uh, against San Francisco, he had 14 rushes for 48 yards. Miles Sanders only had 42 yards. Against the New York Giants in the playoff game, Gainwell rushed the ball 12 times for 112 yards compared to Miles Sanders' 90 yards. And finally, in that last regular season game, also against the Giants, Gainwell rushed for 35 yards. Miles Sanders rushed for 33 yards. So there you had it. He's an unsung hero in regards to Philadelphia. He's an explosive running back. And, Mark, we're going to be playing Kenneth Gainwell over 19 and a half rushing yards. Can I serve one more back to you, Mark? I'll let you, but I'll give you my last one, and then you can close it out. How's that okay. sound? Okay, sounds good. I got one more myself as well, okay? My final one is what everybody would mention, the common perception being since they lengthen the extra point, there'll be missed extra point in the, in the Super Bowl game, okay? No is the answer. These kickers are, they're now they're adjusted, okay? They know what the extra points are all about. They're not... Uh, being forced to kick field goals like they were initially right out of the game. They're very accustomed to kicking these 36, 37-yard extra points. 19 of the last 21 Super Bowls, there has not been a missed extra point. So keep that in mind. Don't get lured into that. And I'll let you wrap it up, Victor, with your finale for your props on our prop segment of this show. We can definitely do that. And uh, this will be our final prop that we'll throw out there. Um, will the game be tied after the score of zero to zero. 
And here is a yes prop that we're going to be playing. The timing is pretty much right for this prop to hit here. And, you know, in the recent era, Mark, the um, uh, Super Bowl point spreads, uh, they've been relatively close to pick them now. And we love this prop as we just need to get the score tied sometime during the whole game. Now, it hasn't cashed in the last two Super Bowls. But before that, it hit in four Super Bowls in a row. Uh, it's now gone six and three in the last nine year, uh, years. It can happen as early as a like a three to three tie in the 2019 game between the Patriots and the Rams, or it can happen as late as a 28 to 28 tie in the fourth quarter in that famous game between the Patriots and the uh, Atlanta Falcons. So again, uh, it hasn't hit in two years. The timing is right for this one to hit. Will the game be tied after zero zero? And, Mark, we are playing yes, and I believe our prop ping-pong game is over for now. Unless, unless, for unless, now, unless, tentatively, our buddy Andy Isco is That's okay. Let, let's see Andy's if Andy's got something lock, to add, definitely. Yeah, he's going to lob a few our way as well, so uh, right. stay tuned for just that. Good Victor, enough. before we move over uh, on to our next segment on the show, which will be Andy Isco, a couple of other notes that I want to share with our listeners and our viewers out there, and these come from the playbook. Super Bowl Guide. And if you don't have a copy of the Playbook Super Bowl Guide, I don't know why. You absolutely have to because it's just loaded with stats and facts and information that I'm going to be rest assured that you're not going to know a lot of them that exist. Uh, for instance, okay, we're talking about defense, Philadelphia. That's what they're all about. Top-ranked defense in the league. The team with the better defense has won the Super Bowl 46 of the last 56 Super Bowls. Just remember that going in. Also, you also have what we call a Frisco factor working in this football game. The Frisco factor being this year, the teams that played San Francisco, their next game after playing San Francisco, they were 1-15 and 15 this year. The only win, however, this is the caveat, came when Kansas City beat Tennessee as a 14-point favorite. They edged them 17-14, to 14, but they had a week of rest. Philadelphia played Frisco in this championship game to get here, but they have a week of rest. So don't fall don't fall for that Frisco factor in this game because there is a week of rest involved in this game. We also talked about how important rushing is. We've talked about this before in the past. Rushing to victory. Philadelphia was 14-0 this season when they ran the ball for 100 or more yards, 2-3 and three when they did not. So all three of their losses came when they failed to rush the football for 100 yards. Kansas City did and held their own. They were 10-1 when they cracked the 100-yard barrier, 6-2 when they didn't. Also, one other note in closing here. I think this is interesting and noteworthy to pass along. The Philadelphia Eagles started the season 8-0 this year, as everybody knows. They were one of 29 teams to do that, uh, to begin like Philadelphia did. 15 of those teams reached the Super Bowl. Eight of them won the Super Bowl. New Orleans was the last team to do that in 2009, and those teams have gone 0-10 in the Super Bowl since. So good start for Philadelphia to get here. Maybe a little bit of a black cat plague in the fact that 10 times in a row they haven't won the Super Bowl. But these are just some thoughts to ponder. And I think you would find those to be a little bit interesting as well. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show as we hop out to Las Vegas to visit with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on in Vegas for Super Bowl 57. Andy, are you all propped up for the Super Bowl this weekend? Mark, I, I was propped up and excited even before I started listening to your and Victor's discussion of props. Has me wanting the Super Bowl to start even sooner, but I will appreciate the extra time between now and then so I can do some more shopping for props and prices. And I'm um, looking forward to the game. It's a game, as I think you and Victor touched upon. If you look at the statistics, very evenly matched. In fact, I, I heard the one you talked about with the sacks, and I was actually somewhat surprised that the sack number was five and a half, and actually they've been in that one. I played it a short while ago before the show, actually, and got uh, over five and a half at uh, plus uh, 110 when it had been plus 105 for a good part of the last uh, four or five days. But you pointed out the differential between 70 and 55. That's nearly one sack per game between the number one team, Philadelphia, and the number two team, Kansas City. And of 
couple of mobile quarterbacks here who don't mind taking off with the ball, but uh, I expect both of them to feel some pressure during the uh, uh, the game. So I still like the over five and a half sacks because we've had lesser defensive defensively stout teams in recent years exceed that total. Well, Andy, as I'm speaking with you today, uh, I have to tell our listeners out there, I got a copy of Andy Isco Super Bowl newsletter, guys, and what a fantastic job Andy did putting this together here. Andy, you don't know this, but I know this. There are nearly 14,000 words in your Super Bowl newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. That explains the eye strain overnight. There you go. I, I, From I'm all look, the proofreading. I'm looking for the toothpicks to see how you keep your eyes open. That was a heck of a job putting that newsletter together. And it's just filled with... And I did, by the way, did it without caffeine. You did? Oh, that's terrific. I wouldn't want to ask you about that other bad drug, but because I know you don't do drugs. <laughs> but tip of the hat to you. That was one heck. Mountain Dew. Oh, there you go. Mountain Dew. Yahoo. <laughs> uh, and is there a way, Andy, any of our listeners can get a copy of that if they reach out to you some way? Some, I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know. I know it was. it's primarily for your subscribers. You were kind enough to send Victor and I a copy here. Is it available for them to see, peruse, or get, or uh, do they just need to subscribe next year? And we'll we'll talk no, about. I, you know, actually, I've been thinking about that, and uh, there's a plus and a minus. The plus is I'd like to have people see it. The other, the negative is that it's not as this detailed on a week by week basis. Uh, normally, it's uh, just taking a look at a feature uh, to start the newsletter and then a uh, look at the games. But I go through a whole bunch of history here, so uh, I'll be happy for the folks who want to contact me. The uh, best way to do it, I would say, would be through email, and it's a very simple email address. It's logical7, L-O-G-I-C-A-L, the number 7, at cox.net, C-O-X dot N-E-T. Just mention you heard it on the uh, Playbook uh, podcast, and I'll be happy to send them uh, a copy of it. Just want them to know, with the caveat that it's—I uh, think it's 20 pages long this uh, this year. It's not nearly 20 pages long each week during the regular season. But then again, this is like the last one of the year. It's like the—it's like the encore to the uh, uh, to the football season because it means we've got uh, six months to wait before they kick it off again. And by the way, it'll be interesting. And I haven't officially uh, said what my selection is yet in the game. But if you want, like, full circle, you know where Kansas City opened the season. They played at Arizona with a big, easy win over the Arizona Cardinals. Their season, as well as Philadelphia's season, is going to come to an end in the same stadium. That's a little bit ironic. Uh, yeah. uh, as you mentioned, that's a, that's a good call. And uh, also one thing we talked about before we went on the air is about the, a little bit of irony with Andy Reed, if you will. Andy Reed, if you want to share with our listeners out there, uh, Andy, about uh, – his affair with uh, both of these football teams that he's coached. Yeah, in fact, uh, the newsletter starts off uh, with, uh, and I think one of the announcers actually mentioned it on after the uh, the NFC Championship game. I guess it was the AFC Championship game when the matchup was set. The Andy Reid Bowl, as he's been head coach of both Philadelphia and Kansas City. I already had that. I had like four possible headlines to uh, for the newsletter, depending upon which of the four combinations. And the best I could come up with for Kansas City-Philadelphia was the Andy Reid connection. Now, you sort of alluded to uh, the, the results of Andy Reid as a coach. When he was with Philadelphia at the beginning of his head coaching career, which I think was 1999 through 2012, uh, his Eagles faced the Kansas City Chiefs three times. Eagles won all three games straight up and all three against the spread. That in itself doesn't really mean anything because there was really no connection between Andy Reid and Kansas City before uh, he took the Kansas City job the year after getting fired by the Eagles. But since he's been with the uh, Chiefs, Andy Reid is 3-0 and straight up, 3-0 and ATS against the Philadelphia Eagles. So in games involving the Chiefs, and the Eagles, in which Andy Reid was head coach, he's 6-0 and straight up and, uh, and ATS. So I don't know if that points towards maybe a little uh, uh, suggestion for Kansas City in this game. Uh, it's a very small sample size, but it is ironic enough to, uh, to have mentioned it. So uh, it, it does shape up as a very evenly matched game, and I'm looking forward to it and hopefully be on the right side, both on the side total and props. Well, the supposition, what I would surmise from that, Andy, are, is that the only – person that can beat Andy Reid is Andy Reid. <laughs> That's been said before. Yes, Andy Reid to beat Andy Reid. Uh, you know, just I'll throw this out there while we're on the subject before I hand it back over to you, but everybody knows about the Andy Reid factor with rest. He's 30 and 6 straight up in his career with rest. 
he's but he's only eight and three in the playoffs and six and two to the spread. The other thing that comes to Andy Reid in my, the top of my head here, Andy, is that he is a terrific underdog as a coach. 72, 43, and two to the spread as an underdog. And he's even better in games when his team has an equal or better win percentage. And as you know, obviously, these two teams have an identical record when it comes to the Super Bowl. If you will, I'm going to throw this back at you, Andy, because I know you hit a really great subject in the newsletter here. It didn't pertain this year because these two teams have identical records. But uh, my goodness, how much of an edge would there have been if one of these two teams had a different record? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's sort of like I was actually going to bring that up as a topic and saying, you know, there's good news and bad news. The good news is, and I'll explain that in a moment, the bad news is it doesn't apply this year, so keep it in mind for next year. And that is uh, since 1990, the Super Bowl team with the better regular season record is 11-13 and 13 straight up. So there have been a number of times in there where they've had uh, uh, an identical record going in, such as the case this year. In fact, I think it's eight of the uh, 32 Super Bowls played since 1990 uh so 11 and 13 straight up not all that impressive but when you take a look at the uh, ats record 5 18 and 1 against wow. the spread if you were to back the team with the regular uh, better regular season record uh since 1995 which was super bowl 30 teams with the better record is an astoundingly poor 2 18 and 1 against the spread so we're going back uh, just about almost 30 years back to 1995 Super Bowl 30 we'll be there in three more years so that may be something that you want to keep in mind and of course uh, the reason I went back to 1990s because that that was when we had the most dramatic change in the playoff format where we went from uh, six division winners and two wild cards in each league back then uh, to uh, uh, 10 teams making the playoffs uh, with uh, with one, I think it was one wild card in each of the divisions. I don't exactly recall, but it went from 10 to 12 teams in the playoffs. I think there may have been three divisions in each conference or, and went from 8 to 10 uh, with the two instead of one wild card. And, of course, we, uh, the most significant change, and another one why I go back to 2002 now more often, is that's when we had the last fundamental change in the NFL. And by that I mean that's when we went from six divisions with five and uh, – with five – Six division teams and one uh, five five division teams and one six team division. Uh, we had 31 teams, and then uh, Houston came back into the league with a new franchise to make it 32. That's when we went to the current structure of eight divisions of four teams each. That works out to a very nice uh, uh, number as far as four quarters to the season, which of course is no longer the case because we had a 17th game. But uh, those are fundamental change. But that's still. It's held up all this time that the team with a better record has not performed nearly as well as you would think. Straight up, again, a little bit under 500, but uh, more importantly, against the spread, it's absolutely atrocious. Well, as you mentioned, uh, Andy, you mentioned 1990. Was that not the year that the seeding began in the National Football yes. for the playoffs? 1990 yes. as well, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's when they seeded the teams one through six. And uh, uh, as I recall back in the past, they, they I think they did it with the best record. You didn't really know where you were going to play until uh, the result. all the results were in. You still don't know it, but at least you know who you would play. Well, the NFL did a good thing, like you mentioned, when they went to the uh, current division format, uh, where it was six, six, all the divisions with equal amount of teams, uh, six teams. Now, it used to be nice and symmetrical. Now it's not with the 17th week of games, and it's kind of thrown things out of whack a little bit, but I'm just, I'm talking from a a database standpoint. uh, I'm a total, I love it as a football fan. As far as databases and being able to make things nice and equal, I don't like it. No, but that's a minority. That's a minority minority opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm a 100% with you on that particular subject in that situation. So, Andy, if uh, I let you go here, uh, of all these outstanding situations that you mentioned in your uh, wonderful Super Bowl newsletter here, which prop is it that you might want to leave our listeners with, or what? If not a prop, a situation, or something, a thought that you would want to leave with our listeners before the Super Bowl begins. Well, before I do that, I thought I'd uh, go to the actually the last page before the charts that I have. I have a chart sure. in the newsletter with the spreadsheet of all the NFL teams currently through last week and also a summary of Super Bowls going back to 1990. It has some interesting information for folks who want to maybe do some analysis there. And that is, I don't know how much you and Victor touched upon it, but some important points to remember about the Super Bowl. Uh, The first one that I mentioned is when looking to play props, look for sportsbook 
uh, that on evenly priced props or smallly priced props, offer the 20 cent line on evenly priced props as opposed to a 30 cent or higher line. And by that, I mean uh, if it's a game is basically pick them minus 110 each way as opposed to minus 115 each way. Now, I know that there are uh, places that will occasionally offer props, uh, not props necessarily, but wagers at minus 112 or minus 108, etc. But the standard here in Nevada is minus 110 each way for the reasonably priced props. And then the line goes up a little bit. And I normally say at minus 150, that's probably the breaking point where I would uh, uh, be concerned about the uh, line getting even even bigger. But And I think this is the most important one that uh, you should keep in mind. Be sure to read the fine print attached to a prop. There are often key differences or conditions at different sports books on props that appear similar or even identical. Often these will uh, be conditions that might result in a refund, uh, such as no action, whether events that occur in overtime are counted as part of the second half uh, game results, uh, etc. An example might be a book that offers the wager on the number of Chiefs to score at three and a half, and another will offer that same prop at four and a half, okay? So it looks as though, gee, if I'm going to play under, I'll go under the four and a half. If I want to play over, I'll go with the three and a half. Why is the difference? Well, the first sports book that has three and a half might exclude a player who scores on a successful two-point conversion, whereas the four and a half might include such a uh, uh, such a player. Maybe, you know, it's some, a lot of places will exclude two-point conversions and safeties as far as counting to the number of players. So it's important to do that. Now, I don't get heavily involved in playing uh, the props that have individual players with rushing yards, uh, pass uh, receptions, uh, etc. Uh, what what I do suggest, however, is when you evaluate these props, and I say yards, attempts, receptions, etc., it may be best to not look at the regular season averages, but rather at the number of times the specific number in the prop is exceeded or fallen short of. And I'll use an extreme, extreme but very simplistic Example, a running back may have gained 50 yards in 16 games this season, okay? Uh, that's 800 yards. And, and run for 200 yards in the other game. So he's got 1,010 uh, yards in total. Now, that works out to a 17-game average of 59.4 yards. Oh, 59.4, and I only have to go over 50? Well, the, the, he only exceeded 50 in that one 210-yard game. So you may want to be careful if you rely too much on averages, and sort of a correlate of that is what I like to do when I am ev- evaluating the few props that I might consider is rather than look at the average, uh, in addition to the number of, uh, of attempts that the uh, player has either exceeded or fallen short of, look at the medium. Uh, the median number. Now, that's a little bit easier with a 17-game schedule if someone plays all 17 games. You throw out the eight highest, you throw out the eight, eight lowest, and the one in the middle is the median. How many times has he exceeded or gone short of that median, and how does that median compare to the actual uh, total yards, attempts, uh, receptions, etc. in the uh, prop? And then finally, and I think this one you probably have touched upon, understand that for the most part, the public at large, the casual, once a year, recreational better, will tend to think in positive terms, gravitating more towards the over and the yes, rather than the under and the no. Therefore, intrinsic value is generally, in most props, towards the under and towards the no. That something won't happen or won't happen often enough in the case of an over-under prop. So those are the five things that uh, that I normally like to stress as far as people who are getting involved or don't do it uh, very often. Now, as far as the one that uh, I was going to use here for the recommendation, and I'll have some numbers to sort of support the uh, reasoning here, is the first half line uh, that has Philadelphia minus a half and it's been priced anywhere right around even money. I've seen minus 105, I've seen even, I've seen plus 105. Basically saying that Philadelphia will have the lead. In other words, a tie, you lose, but if you have a lead of anything, since you're only laying a half, it would be a winning bet. Now, in the course of the season, I took took a look, including the playoffs, how often Philadelphia and Kansas City led at the half. And there's a, a somewhat of a significant difference in, in certain respects. Philadelphia, including their two playoff leads at halftime over the Giants and the 49ers, 15 of their 19 games, they held the lead at halftime. Three mm-hmm. times they trailed, nice. and in one instance, one instance, the game was tied. In uh, the, the average margin uh, was somewhere around uh, 12 or 13 points per game. But what's interesting, there are a total of eight of, I'm sorry, 10 of the 15 times in which they had the lead at halftime, it was double digits. So it wasn't eking it out. Now, I'll contrast that with Kansas City, 
not quite as good as Philadelphia in terms of only 10 games saw them have the lead at halftime. In six games, they trailed, and uh, one game was tied at the uh, end of the uh, uh, at the end of the first half. They had uh, eight of their uh, I'm sorry, 12, six and one. I didn't include the two playoff games. 12, six and one as far as oh, as far as winning and losing at halftime. In uh, eight of their 16 games in which they led at half, uh, they were by double digits. Um, their six games in which they trailed, and this is important to keep in mind, although, again, they're trailing at halftime. In five of the six games in which they trailed at halftime, it was seven points or less. But, again, I'm not talking about any margin of trailing or leading at halftime. It's just whether you're leading because it's a half point involved. So uh, I've played, uh, and I got the plus 105, Eagles minus a half a point at halftime in the uh, Super Bowl. Nice work, Andy. Terrific job. Uh, good yeah. stats, for sure. Uh, interesting to see. Uh, you said the Philadelphia Eagles. I marked that down 15-3-1. Uh, 15-3-1, including the two playoff games. Now, one of the concerns I have, and I put it in one of the areas where I call factors to consider, is one of the factors that works against Philadelphia is the fact that they were not tested nearly as much as Kansas City was in their two playoff games. They went against the Giants team who they had beaten twice in the regular season with whom they were very familiar with and the Giants who played their better football in the first half of the season. And then, of course, uh, uh, Philadelphia went against San Francisco, which uh, wasn't going to be a competitive game once uh, Purdy went out and Johnson did the same and Purdy had to come back without an arm with which to throw the football. Uh, Compare that to uh, Kansas City who beat a Jacksonville team. They didn't cover in their divisional round game but they faced one of the hottest teams in the NFL down the stretch in the Jacksonville Jaguars, who uh, uh, had one of the unique distinctions of having a midseason five-game losing streak, followed up by a five-game winning streak with which they uh, entered the playoffs. And then, of course, their game against Cincinnati uh, wasn't an easy win, uh, went down to the wire, uh, but they were going up against the de- uh, defending AFC champion. So that was a quality team that had played, despite starting 0-2, championship caliber of football. But uh, overall, uh, I'm looking at this at the... Uh, at the first half. And in fact, uh, since it is the uh, final game of the season, I will say that I had played Philadelphia in the Super Bowl and I played under the total. I played um, uh, under 51 and a half. Uh, One of the analyses I do, and I put this in the newsletter as well, so for the folks to take a look at, is I break the total range into three different ranges. And I, I usually move three points to either side of the existing total. Okay, so let's say the total here is 51. I'd look at the range of 48 to 51. How many games did each team stay under 48 total points? How many games did they stay within that range of 48 to 54? And how many times did their games exceed 54? If you combine the two teams together, 21 of their combined 38 games failed to hit 48 points. 10 games went over 54 points. And seven games stayed within the range of 48 to uh, 54, with 51, of course, being a very, very key number as far as 27, 24, uh, you know, 38, 13 in a blowout. 40, 49, um, I guess 28, 21 would fit in there, but 53 does not come into play uh, as often uh, as far as uh, the totals go. 52 is not all that significant. 28, 24, I suppose. But again, when you get into those high range, like 28, 24 uh, suggests for the most part, barring missed extra points. By the way, I understand that uh, Maher was not traded to either of those teams this week, so the missed uh, extra point proposition should indeed uh, be a no. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, looking at uh, uh, 52, you, you, the most common way you get to 52 is generally 28-24 in a competitive game, which right. suggests it's a game in which there are seven touchdowns and just one field goal. So uh, you don't normally expect that if you're going to hit 52, you're going to do it in any way other than that. So when looking at some of these ranges in totals, I actually made the final score uh, 27-20 Philadelphia, and hopefully uh, I'll be happy if they get those 27 points uh, in the first half because that would be a nice cushion for that uh, minus a half point. Well, I love the analysis, Andy, and uh, especially the uh, tearing down the total, uh, getting, you know, that you say of the 48 games, what was it? uh, 38 games. 38 games. 21 of them did not hit the 48 total. It's 12 for Philadelphia, 9 for Kansas City. As for the ones that went over over the 54, 4 for Philadelphia, 6 for Kansas City. Nine for Kansas City, who did not go up against the likes of a defense of Philadelphia, which they'll see this week. That's correct. Yes, which I think makes it a little bit tougher for them, perhaps, in the Super Bowl game than it was during the course of the season. 
Great job, as always, from Andy Isla, mm-hmm. TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, we're going to look forward to visiting with you weekly as we move forward after the Super Bowl. We'll be talking about getting ready for March Madness. And I know you get into that as well. So next week, stay tuned. Andy Isco will join us for basketball, March Madness, Mania, if you will, here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And until then, Andy, nothing but the best of luck to you this Super Bowl week. Thanks, Mark. Let me just repeat uh, that email address for the folks who yes, uh, want to get that uh, complimentary copy. Logical7, that's the way it sounds, the word logical, the number seven, at Cox, C-O-X dot N-E-T. Cox, of course, is a cable provider, et cetera, out here on the western part of the country, more so than those east of the Mississippi. So now all our listeners know all about why it is the logical approach. Logical Andy Isco. Very good, Andy. Appreciate that. And enjoy the game, if you will. Thanks, Thanks, guys. And uh, Victor, Mark, all the listeners and viewers, have a great Super Bowl. Enjoy it. And remember, though, it's just one game. That's all it is, one game. Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas on our Super Bowl edition here of the Against the Spread podcast. Before I get to my awesome angle on the show, our good friend Jim Feist from Las Vegas has a few wise words of wisdom about this year's Super Bowl matchup. Let's see and listen to what Jim has to say. Take it away, Jim, if you will. Hello, Mark. Well, it's the end of the football season. The Super Bowl is here. We all know that uh, it's a long season, 17, 18 weeks. I didn't have a great NFL season, especially with the sides. But with the totals, I did much better. I felt it was a marginal season for quality of, of teams. I felt like there were five teams that were pretty good. Nothing really excellent. I thought that maybe the best team was San Francisco, but they unfortunately lost four quarterbacks during the season, during including the the week the game two weeks ago. By the way, uh, before I forget, congratulations to LeBron. Uh, Mark, you're from Ohio. My wife's from Ohio. I visit there all the time. Cleveland Clinic is one of the best facilities in the world. So if you have any health problems, you might want to go there. But LeBron broke the record and set an all-time record of scoring, and he will continue to do so going forward, given good health. Kid from Ohio, got a big contract while he was in high school. Um, It's pretty amazing. Congratulations to him. As far as the Super Bowl is concerned, I think these teams... Both have edges, as usual. Teams have strengths and weaknesses. But I see I see the game as being dead even. And it's going to be determined by breaks. A lot of games are determined by breaks. But when you're trying to predict turnovers, that's very hard. You just can't do it. Hats off to Philadelphia, their defense, their offensive line, their defensive line, their pass rushing um, is incredible. Uh, Jalen Hurts, first time in the Super Bowl. Sirianni, first time as a head coach in the Super Bowl. Going against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Three Super Bowls in five years. That's incredible, and it cannot be overlooked. That's a huge edge, in my opinion, to Kansas City. However, Philadelphia has those edges that I just mentioned. What I do feel is the way to bet this game is to look at the props. And there are about 400 of them. Of course, there's so many states now, all the people that listen to this around the country have different options. That's where the softness is because odds makers and bookmakers cannot be on top of every prop and make wise decisions. You can analyze what's out there And don't look at every one of them as saying, hey, this is a great line because the odds makers put it up. Not so. The softness in this 
betting market right now are the propositions. Now, when I say that, when the lines come out, most of the time people are going to bet more rushing, more passing, more touchdowns because people like to bet on action. They don't want to watch the TV and watch grass grow. They want to see something happening. So what happens is the lines start to get bet up and get bet up. And now as you get to the weekend and the players start betting more and more and more people arrive in Las Vegas for the, the betting action here in Vegas, the lines get bet up even more. Well, the pros are sitting back, not considering myself one, but I'm sitting back. And for the most part, I've made 12 bets already, mostly on overs. <clears throat> now, that's contrary to what I just said. However, I'm going to probably make about 30 bets on unders as these markets get bet up. And that's where the value will be. The game is too tough to bet right now. Now, the injury issues on both sides, is Hurts' shoulder okay? Is Mahomes' leg okay? The wide receivers, they are practicing. They'll be back. So those kind of situations, I will wait for the very last minute and see where the line moves. I would love to take three on each side and just and sit back and watch the game. That's not going to happen. I would love for the total to get bet up too high and bet the under. That might happen. So I'm looking at betting unders as the lines get inflated on the props, player props specifically. And if the side or total gets bet one way or the other too much, I'm going to look for value. I don't think these teams are great teams. I don't, I don't think there was a great team in the NFL this year. I think there's very, very good teams. A teams, maybe an A-plus team, but not something that's outstanding. And that's the way I'm looking at the game. I'm going to be taking value on where I can find value and enjoy the game as much as I can. And in-game, I always speak to this, in game, the other night in the basketball game, the line was four. I had the dog, but the game started out where the line went up to seven and a half. Now I took that same team plus seven and a half for more money than I had at plus four. And guess what happened? They lost by six. So I won the bet on the seven and a half. I lost the four, but I had a little bit more at the seven and a half. You have to look at this in-game betting. Believe me, it's revolutionized the way we can make money betting sports. And the propositions, believe me, there's a lot of bad propositions out there. And you can take heed to that and make some money. Good luck, everybody. Have a good time. It's been a wonderful time doing this show and adding these inserts. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Thank you. Thanks once again, Jim. Really good information. And if you enjoyed Jim's complimentary plays on the show and his words of wisdom, you're going to love his hot hand on this week's Super Bowl game at playbooksports.com. Log on at playbooksports.com to pick out Jim Feist, top winning selection plays in this year's Super Bowl matchup. And with that, let's move on to our awesome angle of the week. And I'm going to twist it up a little bit here this week, guys. As you know, Victor and I, our theme was largely about the props on the show this week because there is an abundance of props to be had, obviously, on the football Super Bowl each and every year. In fact, I remember, Victor, going back uh, when I was uh, doing some writing for the USA Today Sports Weekly and it get to be Super Bowl time, I would submit prop angles for the Super Bowl. Right. And very nice, cordial people there, but when it comes to the, the Super Bowl prop angles, they, I was always getting emails, when's it going to be ready? When's it going to be ready? When's it going to be ready? So there is a big desire here, obviously, for the props in Super Bowls, which leads us to our awesome angle on the show this week, and I call this awesome angle not so super. And what I'm going to look to do is to play against Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes' passer rating in this game of 99.5. Follow my logic here, guys, in this, if you will, on this. Patrick Mahomes, 
will be named the league's MVP on Thursday. That's an overwhelming conclusion. He will be the MVP of the league. If you take a look at the average quarterback rating of the 21 quarterbacks in the Super Bowl who were MVPs that year when they won the MVP award, their quarterback rating has been 85.3 of those 21 quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes has been in two Super Bowl games. His accumulative passer rating in those games is 64.2. He put up a 78.1 against San Francisco, and he put up a 52.3 against Tampa Bay. A little bit of pressure perhaps gets him. Who knows what the reasons are, but the numbers are the numbers. In addition, this Super Bowl also marks the third time in NFL history that the passing yards leader will be taking on the NFL's number one pass defense. The other two times it's happened saw the Seattle Seahawks beat up on Peyton Manning and the Broncos in Super Bowl 48. And the other one was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they gouged Rick, Rich Gannon. He threw six picks in that football game for the Raiders in Super Bowl 37. That applies in this game here as well. Thus, my conclusion, if you're, I'm going to play under a quarterback rating of 99.5 for Mahomes in this game, and if you're not able to find a quarterback rating prop, I know they're available in Vegas. Maybe your guys won't have it. Maybe your sportsbook may or may not have it. But if you don't, my backup to this would be to look to go, if you will, Mahomes under 290.5 passing yards in the game. I see Patrick Mahomes struggling a bit in this game because of the situations that I just outlined. So our awesome angle is called not so super. And we'll see whether or not this awesome angle is, is indeed an awesome angle in the Super Bowl this year. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap for the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Absolutely, Mark. As you mentioned, our selections for Super Bowl 57 are already up at the playbooksports.com website. That's uh, Mark's side play, and that's uh, the over-under selection from uh, yours truly. You can check those out, and in addition to those, our basketball plays as well. Let's not forget the playbook basketball newsletter, Mark. Uh, each newsletter is anywhere from six to eight pages long. Selected games in college basketball and in the NBA. As you mentioned during that last podcast, uh, I believe two weeks ago, Mark, we got that one page uh, NBA page that right. I contribute to with a ton of great team trends and team over-under trends. And again, uh, that Playbook Basketball newsletter is available uh, at the PlaybookSports.com website. And, Mark, we got a weekend free play in the NBA I want to throw out there for our customers. It's going to be a Friday night game uh, back in uh, L.A. We were just in L.A. last night for our winner on the Oklahoma City Thunder. But on Friday night, it's a game between the Milwaukee Bucks and the L.A. Clippers. And we're going to be playing the total in this particular game uh, obviously, a line has not been set as of yes uh, yet because we're recording the podcast here on Wednesday afternoon. But I'm assuming we're going to see an over/under line somewhere in the low 230s in this game, 230 to about 234 points with the Bucks and Clippers, and we are going to be going over the total in this particular game. Of course, you got two very good offenses these days. I mean, heck, Milwaukee's averaging 127 points. In their last eight games, they put up some gaudy numbers. Uh, I believe they had two division games in a row where they scored over 140 points against both Detroit and against Indiana. So you know Milwaukee is on a roll as well. And don't forget about the L.A. Clippers, Mark. And the Clippers right now, for me, are a sleeper team out in the West Conference. This is the healthiest they have been now in about two years now. Kawhi Leonard's back in the starting lineup. Uh, Morris is back in the starting lineup. Uh, who's the uh, third guy? Paul George is back in the starting lineup as well. And since those guys have all reunited, they're putting up some ungodly numbers on offense, the L.A. Clippers are. Not to mention that this particular series, Mark, the last four played in L.A. between the Bucks and the Clippers have gone over the total. Uh, average of 247.8 points per game. That's close to 250, and that's a lot of points. Mark, finally, I got to talk about the fact that, you know, Milwaukee will be put in L.A. the previous night as well. They're doing one of these uh, two-game road trip to L.A. in back-to-back -back games, and this comes out of our database. It's one of my favorite over situations 
It only happens a couple of times a season. This Friday night is one of those occurrences. And Mark, what we're looking for is any sort of an ATS or over-under situation for teams who go into L.A. and play the Lakers and Clippers on the road for consecutive nights. That second night, the over has been fantastic in these games. From our database, Mark, this goes back 13 years now to 2008. NBA teams on the road against the Clippers or Lakers after playing on the road against the Clippers and Lakers the previous day. That's going to be Milwaukee. These teams have gone 47, 15, and 3 over under. That's 47 overs, only 15 unders, 76% over the total. In the last seven years alone, the numbers are even better. 32 overs, only six unders, only one tie. I'm not going to try to explain it because I can't understand it, but I'm just giving you the facts, ma'am. These games have gone over the total at an unheard of rate. That's what we'll be doing on Friday night. Milwaukee Bucks. L.A. Clippers in Los Angeles over the total on Friday night. And again, as we mentioned, don't forget all of our basketball plays at PlaybookSports.com. Victor, that alone was worth the price of admission. Hey, <laughs> There we go. Great stat by Victor, the double L.A. factor. La, la, right. land. Look out. Here we go over the total, baby. <laughs> Uh, complimentary play from Victor in that basketball game. Victor, I know we're going to start up with the NBA college basketball on our podcast next week. Right. A question from a listener, okay? As we, we're entering into the basketball world and football is going to be in the rear view mirror, will Tuco or any of the clan have any opinions on basketball as we move forward? Well, like we did in the NFL uh, about five years ago, we're just starting to dip our toes in the water in regards to NBA first half over underlines. And, uh, yes, Tuco will have some uh, first half totals that he's looking at as far as pro basketball goes. Looking forward to it, Victor. Thank you so much. That's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King once again for an outstanding job on the show this week. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us as he always does from Las Vegas with the Vegas vibe each and every week. And until next week when we return, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to, number one, enjoy the Super Bowl game. And remember to always to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always. <laughs>